0: The Kutti is Chelik Aleph, it's volume 11, the second Sikha for Parsha's boy. This Sikha is actually a very Lomdisha Sikha, and it's on a topic that's mentioned in this week's Parsha in connection with UTS Mitzrayim, namely the Mitzvah of Pidyon Haben, the redeeming of the firstborn son. Now, this Sikha is also a Sium of Mesechus Psachim a siyam of Masechta, which the Rebbe typically, especially in the later years, always held a sium on the uh, celebration of his birthday on of Nissen. And I have to say that a major part of this sicha is actually nigla. It's all in the style of nigla. And at the end, there's a phenomenal insight uh, based on Kabbalah and Hasidus and how it uh, applies to our times. In the course of the Sicha, we'll also get a very good analysis of the mitzvah of Pinyin Aben and of the brach of shechianu, and other various topics that come up in our day-to-day life. But I do want to say, don't be afraid. Don't get nervous. Even if you don't have experience of following an, a Pilpul, I'm telling you that this Sicha is very well and easy to understand. And I believe that you will really appreciate it. Just stay along for the ride. I'll try to do it bekitser as possible, as it is a lengthy sikha. So, in the Torah, the mitzvah of pidyon Aben appears in several places. The two primary places is in this week's parsha, where it discusses Yitzis mitzrayim and the resulting mitzvahs. And it says, V'chol b'chor And all the firstborn of Adam, of, of man, of, of a human, Amongst your children, you should, amongst your sons, you should redeem. In Parshas Kairach, when it discusses all the matnes kohuna, all the various, quote-unquote, gifts that Hashem gave to the Koyanim for their service, over there too, it discusses this mitzvah, and over there it says, Ach, podoy tifta as adam. Behold, you shall redeem, or redeem, you shall redeem the bechor of man. Now, there is an interesting thing, a slight machloikas between the Yerushalmi and the Bavli. We know that, that there are two types of Gemara. There's the Talmud Bavli the Talmud Yerushalmi. Both of them are in agreement as far as to the halacha. But what they differ on is where you learn it out from. What is the halacha? The halacha is that, of course, a boy, a baby boy that needs to be redeemed, This has to be done when he's just 30 days old. And who has to do it? The mitzvah is on the father to do it. The obligation is on the father to do it. However, what happens if the father did not redeem his son? Does the son have an obligation later to do it himself? And the answer is yes. He has to see to it that he's redeemed, even if he's much older. However, the Yushalmi says that where do we learn this out from? We learn it out from our parsha. Because there's an extra word. It says, It should have just said, And all the firstborn of your children. Why say Adam? Obviously your children is Adam. From this extra word, Adam, we learn out that even when a person on his own, as an Adam, also needs to make sure that he's redeemed if his father didn't do so. However, in the Talmud Bavli, it says that we learn it out from where it says over there in Parsha's Kairach, where it says, Podoy tifte, redeem you shall redeem, which is obviously also an extra word. From that extra word we learn out that the Torah ter- is telling us that no matter what, you have to see to it that you're redeemed. If it wasn't done for you before, then you do it yourself. The question is, what's the difference? We know that everything in the Torah is exact, especially when it is something that's recorded. Not only Torah Sav, but also Torah Pep. What difference does it make if you learn it from this pasik or if you learn it from that pasik? And why? In other words, why would they differ? What is it about? And what difference would it make in halacha? And moreover, why is it that we, we need to also pinpoint and understand why is it that the Yerushalmi picks specifically this pasik to learn it from and the the Bavli prefers the other pasik to learn it from? So if we look at the Psukim. If we look at our parsha versus that parsha, Parsha's Kedach, we can immediately see uh, an inherent difference in the psukim. In our pasik, what is the focus on? What is the the, the thrust of the pasik? It's talking about the father. That the father who experienced Yitzchias Mitzrayim. And one of the things that we have as a result, meaning one of the mitzvahs to commemorate Yitzchias Mitzrayim, is the redemption of the firstborn, because Hashem spared our firstborn, and therefore you need to, I quote, I will, um, we will, we shall redeem our first son, our firstborn. So you see that the emphasis in our parsha is more on the father and the father's obligation in redeeming the son whereas in parshas Koyrach, the emphasis over there the gist of the whole you know mention of it is not so much about who does it but more about the fact that it's done the fact that it goes to the Koyhanim. and according to this you can see already a difference between our Parsha and that parsha our parsha you know seems to imply that the 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 main obligation the, the 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 onus of 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 the implementation is on the father whereas over there it doesn't, it's really more ambiguous. It doesn't say who it's about. And this will help us understand better the question and answer the question that we asked. However, before we do so, we're going to take a little uh, trip to the end of Mesechah's Psachim. The Sium was at the end of Mesechah's Psachim, which speaks about precisely this topic, the topic of Pidyon Haben. And in fact, it brings a story. It ends with a story that there was a great sage, Rabbi Simlai, who was at a pidyon Ben? So they asked him a question. They asked him an iboyim. They had a, a problem. And they started like this. They said pshita. Pshita means it's obvious, it's clear, that the bracha of al asher mitzvano, al pidyon Haben. it's clear that the father is the one who makes the bracha. However, they asked him, shechiyonu mimevarech, who makes the bracha shechiyonu? Does the kayin say the bracha, or does the father of the son say the bracha? And they explain the question. Do we say that the Kayin says the Brach of Because by the way, when do you say Yanu? When you have a mo- moment of enjoyment, a moment of benefit, you gain something. It's a moment of extreme happiness. So should we say that the Kayin is the one who says Shachiyanu? Why? Because he has benefit. He gets the money, he gets the five slime. Or do you say, no, it's the father who gets to say the Shekhi anu because the fact is that the father is doing the mitzvah, there's the, the joy, the benefit of doing the mitzvah. And the Talmud tells us that he didn't know the answer. But later when he went back to the base Medrash, he asked, he inquired, and they said to him, the father of the son is the one who makes two blessings, and the Gemara concludes and these are the last, the final words of Maseches Psachim, that the father of the son makes two brothers. So the Rebbe asks, why this whole introduction? The question was what? The question was, who makes the Shekhyonu? Does the Kayy make the Shekhyonu? Or does the father make the Shekhyonu? So why the lengthiness in the question of first introducing the obvious that we said it's obvious that the father is the one who makes the original bracha, the bracha on the mitzvah itself, the bracha of Alpin and Haben? Why introduce that? Why even mention that? Why is that part of the equation here? That is obvious. And that doesn't, it, it seems at least, at first glance, it doesn't seem to change or to enhance the question in any way. Because the question was HaShachianu, and the reasoning for the doubt, whether it belongs to the Kariy this blessing, or to the Father, it doesn't seem to have anything to do with the fact that the Father makes the first blessing. So why bring it in the first place? So before the Rebbe goes, so to speak, down his road, that he paves in the understanding of this sugya, of this topic, of this story... The Rebbe first says that I want you to know that this question is not my own, so to speak, original question. This question actually is already brought down in the Tzlach. The Tzlach is a, an acronym for the words Tziyan or Nefesh Chaya, which is a work that was written by great famous rabbi, Rabbi Yeches Kalando, who also is known by his other work, the Noida Yehuda. The Tziyan Nefesh Chaya, he wrote as a memorial for the passing of his mother. His mother was Chaya. But in any case, it's a purple safer on various topics in the Talmud. And over there, he asks this question, and he proposes two different answers. And now, without going into a lengthy discussion on this topic, because it is worth its own, you know, discussion, But well, you noticed that in the brachas that we make on the mitzvahs, there are two brachas, there are two um, uh, expressions that we use. Sometimes we say al- like Al, this mitzvah, and such and such mitzvah, and sometimes we say Le. In other words, let me say Hashem commanded us over on this mitzvah to do this mitzvah, and sometimes He commanded us Le to do this mitzvah. What is the difference between Al and Le? There's a whole long discussion in Rishonim, very lengthy discussion, back and forth, but the point, just the gist of it, is that when you say Al, it could imply, what it implies is that that mitzvah, doesn't necessarily have to be done or implemented by the person himself. It could be done through means of a shliach or it's done by means of several people's participation to get a complete mitzvah. Okay? When you say le, that means that the mitzvah is the obligation of that particular individual. That particular individual has the full and exclusive obligation to fully... Uh, implement that mitzvah. To give you an example, let's say when it comes to hearing shofar, we say kol shofar to hear the sound of the shofar. Because each and every person has an obligation to hear the shofar. You don't have an obligation to sound the shofar, but we do have an obligation to hear the sound of the shofar. Whereas, let's say when it comes to reading the Megillah, the, the mitzvah is to read it. But not everybody has an obligation to read a Megillah. So therefore the bracha is al-mikra Megillah, because one person can read it and thousands can list, hear the reading from that person. Another example, when a woman lights Shabbos candles. So what does she say? Lahadlik neresh al-Shabbos k'aydash. However, if for some reason she didn't light the candles herself, let's say Chas it was already shkiyah, uh, but it's made Hashemashah, so she can ask a goy to light it for her. So what does it say in Alacha? What is the bracha that she recites? Not Lehadlik, because she's not doing it. It's been done for her. So she says, Al Hadlokas Neh It's already been done, and also it's been done by someone else for her. Okay? So you see already a difference between the le and the al. So based on that, the tzlach tries to explain it as follows. That the question is, because when the father makes the bracha, in other words, the question was, why do we include the whole obvious part of the question, which is that the father makes the bracha on the mitzvah itself? How does that enhance the understanding of the question of the problem of Shechiyonu? So he says, since the father makes the bracha al that can possibly imply that it could be done through someone else the father himself doesn't have to do it if it can be done through a shliach that means there are certain times when the father himself for whatever reason will not be doing this mitzvah and if he doesn't do the mitzvah itself and it's done through it's being done through a shliach then the shliach doesn't say the shekhinah because it's not his joy it's not his special occasion that's obvious So in order to avoid that sometimes the mitzvah will be accompanied with a Shechionu, and maybe perhaps in certain occasions not, therefore they asked, maybe we should just give this blessing, so to speak. Dedicate this blessing to the Kayin, who has a reason of joy, of reason, of benefit, because he receives the money, so therefore there's also a justification for him to say Shechianu, and therefore they were asking, maybe he should say it, so this way, whatever happens, across the board, there'll always be a Shechianu associated with this mitzvah, because there always has to be a Kayim present. If there's no Kayim present, the mitzvah wasn't done. So that's one way of understanding it. Another way he explains is, Because since the father says al, since the bracha is al, therefore that implies that this mitzvah is implemented, is completed, not exclusively by one person, but there are uh, um, there, are, there are multiple participants. In this case, What are the participants of the mitzvah? The father is the one who gives the money. He's redeeming his son, but it's also being completed by the kohen. and now we're implying that he has a part in it because we say the word al, not le Oh, the Koin is also part of the mitzvah. So if we look at it, they were asking, maybe the father and the kohen have both an equal role in the mitzvah, but the coin has something over the father that even the father doesn't have because he is now gaining the money. So he has like an extra reason that maybe the blessing of Sheikh should belong to him. That's how the Tzlach explains it. But the Rebbe negates this way of, of explaining it. Why? Because the Rebbe says if you look closely to the story, the verbiage in the story seems to be emphasizing not so much the Nusach, the version of the blessing, whether it's Al or Leh, but more the players, the people, who's the burden on. Is it on this person or is it on that person? Because if that was the meaning of the question, that which the tzlach explains, then it should have said it in a much shorter ver- way. It should have just said, since the blessing is Al-Pigin who gets the Shekhi It doesn't say that. It says the blessing of al piginaben goes to the father. It's obvious the father says it, so if the father says that blessing, the question is, who says the Shekhe So you see that the emphasis here is on the people who are saying the blessing, not on the blessing itself. And therefore the Rebbe doesn't accept that, and the Rebbe goes to uh, explain this whole suge, but before he does so, he adds one more question. If you look, you know, talking about the verbiage, if you look at the answer he received in the base medrash, and then the conclusion that the Gemara makes, it doesn't say "quote the father says a Shekhyanu It says "quote the father makes two blessings." Why the number? It's obvious. Anybody who can do basic math understands. If he makes the first one, and now you tell me he's also the one who gets to say the second one, obviously he makes two blessings. The Gemara is nothing is superfluous. So if the Gemara preferred to say it this way, this. Tells us something. This is not only very telling, but this will enhance, as we'll soon see, the understanding of the answer and the question, and 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 and, and give us a complete uh, perspective of the whole thing. So, another question that the Rebbe adds: interesting thing. We know that everything, you know, that everything goes in Torah. Everything goes according to the end, the way you conclude something. If this is the entire conclusion of Masechah's Psochim, Masechah's Psochim is about the mitzvah of Pesach, right? Yes, it's true that Pityan Aben has an association to Pesach. But from the fact that this is the choice with which the Talmud completed this entire Mesechta, that begs for some understanding. What is really this, this such deep inherent connection between Pesach and Pityan Aben? Pidyon Aben is a mitzvah. It's another mitzvah that has to do with Mitzir's Mitzrayim. But does this bring out the totality, the essence of of Mitzrayim? Why did we? Why is this mesecta complete with uh, conclude with this story? So the Rebbe says the explanation is as follows: If you look at the mitzvah Pigin Ben, you'll see that there are basically there are three participants, or I should say three players in this mitzvah. You have the father, the son, the baby, and the kohen. The kohen has absolutely no obligation in this mitzvah. He doesn't have a mitzvah here. He is just an accessory. He's just somebody who helps facilitate the mitzvah. By him receiving the money, by him getting the benefit of becoming five slayim richer now, the baby is redeemed. But when we look at the father, the son, we actually need to analyze. And we need to you know, do some, some, some investigation here. How do you look at it? Do you say that really, in essence, the obligation, the imperative, is really on the son that he should be redeemed? But since he's a baby and he's not capable of redeeming himself, therefore the father, the, the, the Hashem took the obligation and threw it, so to speak, onto the shoulders of the father and said, listen, you're his father. You see to it that you do for him what he really needs to do for himself. Or do you say no? The main mitzvah is really on the father to redeem his son. It's just that if, for whatever reason, the father didn't do it and the son grows up and now becomes aware of the fact that he was not redeemed, ah, he has to redeem himself. What's the difference in halacha? The difference in halacha is very obvious, very clear. What happens if somebody is an adult and he realizes that he didn't have a pig in a bed? Let's take a a very common example. Their family became bali chuva, And now they realize, oh, he didn't have an opinion of Ben. Whose mitzvah is it? Is it the son's mitzvah? Or is it still the father's mitzvah? In other words, is the father obligated? Or even moreover, does the father even have a right to do the mitzvah? In other words, if it's really inherently the father's mitzvah, it never went away from the father. Now that he wants to do it, it doesn't matter the fact that the son is 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. The father's still there and it's still his mitzvah. But if you say it's inherently the son's mitzvah, the boy's mitzvah, it's just that his father was told to do it for him when he was incapable of doing it himself, then now the father has no right to this mitzvah. No obligation at all. It's the son that has to do the mitzvah. And with this, we can understand the difference between the approach of the bavli and the Yerushalmi. This will help give us a clarity uh, into what's going on and why the difference between the two. The Yerushalmi learns it out from our Pasek. Because the Yerushalmi says, look, where Hashem told us the first time about this mitzvah, it put the father and son, it put the father and son on parallel level. By adding the word Adam in the mitzvah, when it's talking to the father and telling him to redeem his son, it already threw in an obligation for the son himself that tells us that they're both parallel. And if that's the case, what does that really tell us? That it's really the son who needs to redeem himself. It's really the son who is obligated to do the mitzvah. However, when he's not capable of doing it, it's just, it's just a natural fact that he's not able to do it, the Torah tells the father to do it. However, the Bavli looks at it differently and says, no, in our parsha, it's talking to the father. As it says clearly, as it's obvious, it speaks to the father, you redeem your son. And therefore the Bavli assumes and the Bavli accepts that the main mitzvah, the inherent mitzvah is on the father. The father is the one who has to do it. It's just later where in parsha's koirach, where it mentions all the matnoi skuhun, all the various gifts, the, the, the allocations to the Kayani. And amongst them, it mentions this one, which is the redemption of the firstborn. And interestingly, over there, it adds some details which have never been mentioned before, namely that it's done from 30 days and older, or that it has to be five, five shloy and five shekel. So it also happens to mention that, by the way, the son has the obligation to do it if it hasn't been done for him. That is the difference between the Yerushalmi and the Babli and why they learn from this Pasek and from that Pasek. Because the question is, what's the emphasis? What is the main source of where we know that the son is supposed to do it? Is the main source in our parsha, and therefore it comes out that it's really his mitzvah? It's just the father's also being told to do it? Or is the main source over there in Parsha's Kairach where from there would come out that when the mitzvah was originally given, it was given to who? It was given to the father. Now, this can help us understand all the details of the story. What happened in this story? Since, according to the Talmud Bavli, the obligation and the imperative is on the father, therefore, it comes out that the father of the son makes the bracha. Why? Because it's his mitzvah. He is doing the mitzvah. He's not doing it for someone else. He is doing the mitzvah. Okay. And therefore it comes out that even if the son, for whatever reason, got older, he still, quote unquote, does the mitzvah for him. And therefore we have the question, since both the father and the koyan have a certain commonality here, the father is doing the mitzvah for himself and the kohen is receiving the benefit for himself. So in that sense that they're equal therefore the question comes up, do we say that the father, since he's doing the mitzvah for himself, he has that benefit, he has that joy, therefore he also makes the shechianum, or do you say no, maybe it's the Kayan who has equally a participation here for himself, that he gains, I'm sorry, a gain, not a participation, a gain for himself, therefore he becomes equal to the father, maybe there's some reason, that he should say the shechianum, and therefore we answer no, the father makes two blessings. Why the number? Because it's telling us that not only the father makes the Shekhyanu, but the same reason why the father makes the original blessing. Why, as we said, because it's his mitzvah he's doing himself a favor by fulfilling his obligation. he has a joy by having implement by having fulfilled his commandment that he has to do this mitzvah for the same reason. The Shekhiyonu is his, because it's his benefit. The fact that the Ko'yan has benefit, that's a secondary thing. And like we said before, he's just getting a benefit by default. It's not his obligation. This will also help us understand the connection to Mesechus Pesachim. What is the idea of Pesachim? What is Pesach? What do we talk about in Mesechus Pesachim? The fact that Hashem was Pesach, the Hashem skipped over the homes. Hashem had compassion on us. Hashem had rahmanas on us and he saved us. And as a derivative of that, what do you say? Just like he saved our firstborn and he killed theirs there, so too we need to redeem our firstborn. So it comes out that what we're saying is this is the conclusion of Mesechus Psachim. This is the ultimate point in Mesechus Psachim. That the whole Mesechta is about redeeming the firstborn, redeeming his firstborn, the Eden we redeem our firstborn. So this is the highlight of Psachim. Moreover, this also helps under, enhance the reason why the Sheikh Yonah goes on the father. Since, quote-unquote, the firstborn was redeemed by the father himself, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, his firstborn, so too the mitzvah is on the father himself to redeem his firstborn. And this gives us a very nice understanding of various topics that we covered. And now quickly... For something according to Kabbalah and Chassidus to understand the whole Indian according to that. And the question, the story, and the answer, and how it applies to our time. So let's first take quickly, we all know that a bracha in general, what does it mean according to Chassidus and Kabbalah? It means hamshacha, to draw down. It's not that just we're blessing Hashem, we're bringing down, we're drawing down through our words from the highest point all the way down into our realm. What is the idea of a father of an Akoyin? How do we um, translate that into, uh, decode that, so to speak, into the spiritual, Qab- in the Kabbalistic realm? So Av usually represents Chakhma, the highest point. Okay, we say, l-keinu, l-keinu, means the intellectual um, mm-hmm. attributes. Av represents Chochmah, which precedes, it's the beginning of all, it precedes even Seder Hishtal Kohen is synonymous with Chesed, the attribute of Chesed, as we know, Kohen Isha Chesed. So Kohen already is a representation of, ma- of things as they are already in the order of Ishtalshalos. And this is what we were saying. This is the question. Pshita, it's obvious that just like Hashem commands us, us meaning the father, to redeem his firstborn. So too, like every other mitzvah that Hashem commands us, as we say, that what He does, He tells us to do. So likewise, it's obvious that Hashem will certainly do it. And if He's going to do it, it's going to come all the way from quote-unquote, the of Himself the highest level, the highest point, which even supersedes is going to be above and beyond the Seder Hishtal Shalosh. So it's going to be something tremendously miraculous, even greater than it was at Yitzhia's Mitzrayim. The question is, however, when it comes to Shekhyanu, to the benefit stage, so to speak, since we know that Hashem Himself is called a Koyin, Elekeichem Koyin, who, as it says, your God, quote-unquote, is a Koyin, meaning, there's an aspect of godliness as we know with the shekhinah that is together with us already a lower level of expression of godliness that's already quote-unquote with us in Golos and is suffering alongside us. So for him it's a benefit to go out of Golos. So the question is of course the source of the Geula will come from the Av. The first, so to speak, stage. The trigger. The mitzvah itself. But the implementation of it, meaning the actual details, is it going to come in a natural manner, and therefore it's connected to the koyin who is benefiting the Shekhinah who itself is going out of galus, and therefore it's going to come in that manner, which would explain the idea of the shechianu belonging to the koyin. Or do you say no? Even the implementation of it, even the details of the geula, will come in a supernatural manner, manner from the quote unquote from the father himself. And this is where the Gemara concludes that the Father makes two blessings. That both of them, the trigger for the Geula and the implementation will all come from the same place, parallel, to, together, equal, an equal number. That they will come in a manner that it comes from Hashem Himself in a supernatural manner.